Anyway, Summer's with us today. Summer Obershawn from Phelps Health. And, uh, always good to see Summer, and you have a guest today. I do. Good morning, Lee. How are you? So today we have Dr. Nathan Ratchford, and Dr. Ratchford is the Senior Vice President and Chief Medical Officer of the hospital. He's also a gynecologist with the Phelps Health Medical Group. I think you've been on the program before, but it's been a little while because you're a busy guy. Well, thank you. Or so you claim. Yeah, we have done this before. I I, I, um, I thought that today it would be fun to do something a little different than what you normally do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to talk about any medical topic that might be relevant to the listeners, but um, I, I think that um, something that's near and dear to my heart uh, is, is how we measure quality in healthcare. Mm-hmm. And I, I have some unique perspectives on this that I'd like to share, and then I thought maybe we could kind of go through fairly high level what we do at Phelps Health to keep our patients safe and to get good outcomes. I think mm-hmm. that would be something that people would enjoy listening. I like that. I like that. Before we get into that, I want you to tell the audience a little bit about yourself, um, how you got into medicine, uh, why you chose the specialty that you did, and ultimately why you and your family decided to stay here in Rolla and why you practice at Phelps Health. Sure. No, that, that's great. So I grew up in Lamar, Missouri. I've been in uh, Missouri most of my life, and I went to college in Springfield at Drury. I went to the University of Missouri, Columbia for medical school, Mm -hmm. and I had my residency in St. Louis and OBGYN. I actually had uh, a cancerous salivary gland when I was 16, and I had um, an issue with a hand surgery that I had as a teenager that we're going to talk about here in a little bit, I think. And uh, early on, as a teenager, I had these experiences that kind of threw me into healthcare, and and, and I saw those kind of things, and um, that really got my attention. I, I, typical physician, I always got good grades in school. Mm -hmm. I had an aptitude for math and science, which definitely helped. So um, from an early age, I knew that's what I wanted to do. Actually, I went into medical school wanting to be a general surgeon, and my OBGYN rotation was my last rotation of my third year. So, so most students in medical school, you do the basic sciences the first two years. Your third year, you do a rotation of the core specialties like pediatrics, internal medicine, etc. Mm-hmm. And I did my OBGYN rotation at the end of my third year, which is when most students decide what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And I realized, I, I said, man, OBGYNs, they do about as much surgery as what uh, general surgeons do, but their patients are all young and healthy and happy to see them generally. And so not to put down my general surgery colleagues, but uh, it just really appealed to me. It really spoke to me. So uh, here I am. Uh, My wife grew up in Southern Illinois. I grew up in Lamar, Missouri, like what we were talking about. And when we were at the end of my, my training in residency and we were looking at where we could possibly go, um, Rolla was right in the middle between the grandparents and it just it was a good fit for us both both my wife and I grew up in uh, small towns mm-hmm. uh, kind of Salem size yeah but uh, Rolla it, it definitely has the small town feel but it has the the resources I need as a as a busy OBGYN to provide care to my patients so it's just been a good fit for us I've, I've been here since 2008 and uh, couldn't be happier now, you recently took on um, a little bit more of an administrative role with, with Phelps Health mm-hmm. as, as becoming the chief medical officer of the hospital. Why did you choose to go into that sort of, what appealed to you about that leadership thing? Yeah, I, I 
I can't remember not ever having some leadership role. Um, I, I, I never was into like Boy Scouts and stuff like that as a kid, but I, I was the oldest of three boys. And I think, I think the eldest child is kind of the typical leader and boss and stuff like that. So that fits well with my personality. Mm -hmm. And when I was maybe, it was 2010 or so, uh, Dr. Uh, Downey, he was a radiologist here at, at Phelps, he asked me if, if I saw myself as a future physician leader, would I be interested in doing things like that? And I, I told him yes, and I got invited to be part of this leadership training that Phelps hosted in 2010. And ever since then, I've always been some sort of uh, either division chief or I was the vice chief of staff and the chief staff of, 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 of uh, Phelps. And um, I've really just always felt like not only can I serve patients as an OBGYN, but working as a physician leader, I touch a lot more areas in the hospital that also promote good care for patients, which really, that appeals to me. Right, and I think that's a good segue into what we're talking about, which is really quality in healthcare, and ultimately, why quality matters to patients or should matter to them because it, it is what we're doing to try to keep them safe. That's right. That's right. So w when we say quality in healthcare, because um, I know that we were talking a little bit when we were brainstorming about this topic and, you know, you drive down the interstate, and you might see one of our billboards that says top 10% in the nation for patient safety and mm -hmm. general surgery. Mm -hmm. What do those things even mean? Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff that happens in the background that most people don't even think of where we're measuring things like how, how, how often does somebody get an infection after they have surgery? How quickly can somebody who presents to the emergency room with what we call stroke-like symptoms get their treatment that they need? Um, how often is a pathology report accurate or inaccurate? You know, these are, these are things that are important to measure. Mm -hmm not only because we want to improve these things, but because we, we feel strongly about providing safe care. Um, you know, I was talking to you earlier about there, there's not a person that works at the hospital that doesn't have what's best for the patient in mind. I really believe that. Most people are familiar with the Hippocratic Oath, mm -hmm. you know, do no harm. And I, I think that um, different medical schools have different versions of that oath. And you know, you, you can debate on like what's really meant by that and is it really applicable these days, but at its basis is you're affirming that, that desire of, hey, I'm going into healthcare for the right reasons. I want to I want to improve people's health. I don't want to harm them. That's that's the, the foundation of what we're talking about. And Healthcare is complicated, mm -hmm. you know, the, for sure. the, the hospital, it's, it's gotten bigger every year for a number of years. Um, I, I could, uh, I could find numbers of patients that come through, but I'd be guessing at this point, but I mean, just think of all of the hundreds of thousands of procedures and x-rays and lab tests and everything that's done at the hospital. And medications going through. Correct. You, you want to make sure that all of those complicated processes are happening as best they can. Right. So why, because when, when you brought this topic up, you mentioned that this is something that you're passionate about and it's very near and dear to you. Why mm -hmm. is that? Yeah. So when I was a teenager, I had to have a hand surgery at one of the big pediatric hospitals up in Kansas City. And this story isn't meant to like put anybody down. This is just a, 
you know, honestly, it happened to me, mm -hmm. but what I'm about to describe is, unfortunately, it's a, it's a common occurrence. These kind of things happen. But uh, it turns out, as part of this hand surgery, surgery went fine, drove back home. You know, Lamar is about uh, an hour and a half from Kansas City. And then the next day, you know, I had this, this cast on my hand, and I was telling my parents, I'm like, man, I can't, I can't wiggle the last digit of my thumb. I couldn't do that movement red flag, right? So we ended up going back to that orthopedic surgeon and he knew immediately that, hey, this is not right. I had to go back in and have a second surgery to fix that. And, uh, you know, for those of us that have had surgery, you know, there's this fog that you have when you're coming out of surgery that you, you kind of remember things. But I remember sitting in a chair in the recovery room, uh, emerging from anesthesia, and this, this orthopedic surgeon was like crouching on the floor in front of me, like in tears, like I'm, I'm sorry that this happened. And you know, he, he, he knew that he had caused me to have to have this second surgery. And you know, I ultimately, I, I healed fine, I did fine, Th things happen. And um, I, to this day, you know, I have some limited range of motion in my hand, but I mean, gosh, it's been almost 30 years now. I've, I've adapted and I've overcome that. But, you know, I, me as a physician, as a surgeon, I know what it feels like to be on the receiving end of when things don't go as planned. Mm -hmm. and, and I feel passionately about all the more reason that we should try to avoid that if we can. Right. And ultimately, I mean, there people are human and there's going to be times maybe when things just do happen. And with informed consent, I think that that was one of the reasons that that even came about, because I I was reading an article yesterday. So I always like to prep a little for the yeah, show. Um, and I was reading a journal article that was just to kind of explain how informed consent came about. And they said that typically many years ago, it was always the patient um, physician relationship was much different in that the physician was just kind of seen as here's what you do and the patient was expected to obey. You really didn't disclose things that could possibly go mm -hmm. wrong because mm -hmm. you didn't want the patient to worry about that, right? Yep. But now you have to actually have these conversations and the patient needs to be well informed and they're kind of like an active participant in their own care where you would sit down with me and say okay summer here's the surgery that we're having here's what we're trying to do to help you but here's also potential complications not saying that they will happen but they could right yep. so basically i would say i acknowledge this and i sign off on it and i think it it empowers you because it's not going to be such a, a shock perhaps it's it's like i know that ultimately the benefit of having this procedure outweighs the risk yeah. right no i say it very frequently you you, you have to tailor the conversation to the patient mm -hmm. you know not not everybody has the same understanding and sophistication that they might have otherwise and that, that's okay we all, we all come from different walks of life but rather than having this paternalistic approach of hey you need to go do this it's, in my opinion, it's, it's a better approach to have a patient that they may have three options, they may have five options, these all have pros and cons. That patient deserves to sit down and go through those options with you and understand what their choices are. You know, clearly there's going to be situations where I, I was telling you before we started that I've, I've got this urgent surgery that I need mm -hmm. to do today. I told that patient, hey, you need to do this surgery. This is the best thing for you. That's sometimes the case. Right. But most times when people are having procedures, there's different options and understanding what the pros and cons are for those things 
that's part of informed consent. They Absolutely. need to understand that. It's a conversation. And a conversation and allowing the patient to choose what they feel is best for them and their lifestyle at the time. And maybe as it progresses, as you run out of options, then they can get on board and their head wrapped around what they might need to do. I, I like I just like how we've progressed mm-hmm. I, um, into this. It's more of a relationship yep. now. And, and I think as a, as a male OBGYN, this is a place where I tend to have an advantage in that a lot, a lot of the things that I do for my patients and the things that I treat, I will personally never experience that. I, I completely understand that. It, it doesn't mean that I'm less knowledgeable about it. It doesn't mean that I don't have things that I can offer patients, mm-hmm. but um, I, I have this, this inherent barrier already built in to where the things that I'm talking about, I've got to describe those and I've got to explain things to patients from a perspective that they understand so they know what their options are and then they can make a decision because I, I'm not going to experience those things. I'm not that person. No, nobody knows my patient's body better than herself. She may choose one thing, her twin sister may choose something else, her neighbor may choose yet another thing. And that's okay. And that's okay, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about some safeguards in place at Phelps Health to prevent and avoid mistakes. I know that you had kind of given me a little bit of a bulleted list here of just some things that you were thinking of when we think about this, because it really is such a broad topic Mm -hmm. and there's so many facets to it that I don't even think people fully understand because quite frankly, I don't think I realized all of this. Sure. and, and I think that for the purpose of today, I'd really like to keep this high level sure, in general. Sure, absolutely. I will admit, you know, I, I can certainly geek out on these things. <laughs> and there's, there's, there's actually other doctors at the hospital that are even more, more involved in this than I am. <laughs> this would be a very dense and boring conversation. So I, I want to make this relevant to the listeners. I think that that would be preferable. Right. So, <laughs> so, so I, th- I think for the... So for the, the community member who's thinking about coming to Phelps Health mm-hmm. and they're thinking in their mind, hey, I'm getting ready to have this procedure. I'm getting ready to take this medication. I'm going to go see this doctor for whatever the problem is. Uh, what does Phelps Health do to make sure that I'm getting safe care, right? So, so first off, you know, I'm biased. I'm a physician. Mm-hmm. So, so we do a lot of things from the physician standpoint. Um, you know, we talk a lot about physicians being like the captain of the ship and things like that. It's more of a team. You know, we, mm-hmm. we as physicians can't provide the care that we can provide without nurses, support staff, pharmacists, imaging techs. There's, there's all kinds of people that go into care. But specific to physicians, the, 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 the safety from that standpoint comes with recruiting good physicians. Uh, we have a team that that's their job is to recruit quality physicians. We look for doctors that come with good recommendations. They come from good schools. Uh, we do a lot of vetting in the interview process to make sure that they communicate well. They, they're going to be able to form relationships with their team and their patients. That's what we're looking for. So it starts with recruiting the right people. There's also a lot that goes on with what's called credentialing. So this basically means, so, so me as an OBGYN, I did, I did four years of medical school after I did college, and then I did four years of residency training in St. Louis, where I, I was a physician by that point. I, I was Dr. Ratchford, mm-hmm. but I did four years of training in a teaching hospital where I learned to do you know, here's how you do a hysterectomy, here's how you do office exams and things like that. So 
when when a physician applies to the hospital and they say, hey, I want to move to to Durala, I want to work at Phelps Health, I want to be employed there as a physician. <laughs> there's this there's this big application that they have to fill out where they're demonstrating and they're showing all that stuff that they did to be qualified to do what they're doing. And then our medical staff office, they're the ones that are actually shepherding those credentials that go through. Once that application is complete and, and we believe everything that that doctor says that they said they did, then that goes to a committee of peer physicians that review that. And, and, and these doctors are people that have been around a while. They know how training works. They know the things to look for that are weird. And they look through that packet and they say, yep, th this, this is somebody who I would like to have as a colleague. I think this is a quality physician to bring to the hospital and see patients. And that's how they get into that, into that position. And then there's board certification on top of all of that. So once a physician finishes their training, usually most boards, you have to be in practice for a year or two, kind of demonstrating that you know what you're doing. And then you collect uh, what's called a case log of here's, here's the surgeries I did, here's the deliveries I did, here's some office patients that I saw. And then like for me personally as an OBGYN, I'm very typical for most surgical specialties. You go down to this uh, special facility in, uh, in Dallas and I, I'll never forget, you, you wake up super early one morning, there's, there was probably a hundred other OBGYNs from all over the country. We rode over in this uh, tour bus together to this training facility, and basically you sit with two other OBGYNs for an hour, and they went through my case list, and they kind of asked me questions about things, and I had to kind of on the fly like answer these questions, and I did an hour of gynecology. I did an hour of obstetrics. I did an hour of office practice. There's, there's different variations of that for different surgical specialties, but you get the point. Right. You are you are proving to these examiners that you know what you're talking about, and and you are then board certified, and then uh, it's not a one and done. So every physician that is board certified, there is some ongoing maintenance of certification, either either another exam at a certain point, or maybe they have to do a certain number of um, like articles and tests and things like that to keep up their their ongoing education. To, to be board certified is, um, it, it's an important thing to look for to prove that that doctor knows their stuff and they're providing good care. So there's multiple layers that you were talking about oh, here absolutely. that a physician yep. pretty much has to get through yep. to even be able to practice. Yep, and then once you're actually practicing and seeing patients at the hospital, then we have what's called focused peer evaluation, which is like when you first start, we watch these physicians closely to see like how their case is going, what kind of outcomes are they getting, things like that. And then we have ongoing professional evaluation. So even me, I mean, I've, I've been practicing now for 13 years. Uh, every year I get this summary from the peer review office saying, hey, we see that you did this many surgeries. Here was the outcome of those. Here's how long people stayed in the hospital. If anybody had an infection, here's how many. We, we look at things as an ongoing basis, not, not because we're trying to like nitpick like the, the one bad thing that unexpectedly happened, but you wanna look for those trends to make sure that people are practicing appropriately. Right, well not only that, but you're always looking for ways to improve, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, as, as a 
as a professional, you want to keep growing, That's keep right. improving, keep right. learning. I think that that's kind of across disciplines. Um, it's <laughs> it's amazing that we're already running low on time, believe it or not, because... Um, I, did, I didn't think this would be hard to talk about. No, it certainly <laughs> hasn't been. So can we talk briefly just about like, um, joint commission and what all of that is because patients may have heard that phrase before, but maybe mm. they have no clue really what that is. Yeah. So this is actually a very timely topic because we're, we're actually getting ready for these things to happen this year. So the, the two big organizations that kind of come in unannounced and they survey the hospital are what's called the joint commission, which is a private organization that we're a member of they come in every three years, and man, they look at everything. They not not only like expired syringes and medications and things like that. But they're looking for dust on top of the overhead lights, and they're looking for ceiling tiles that might have a stain on them that could be like a sign of a, a leak and in an infection or something like that. They're they're basically there to talk to the staff and look at the facility to make sure that we're as safe as we think we are. We also get a similar survey from the state, uh, and we're expecting that actually in the next couple of months. I mean, it, it could happen tomorrow for all I know. Mm -hmm. But these are typically nurses and physicians that are employed by these organizations, and they are unannounced. We don't know when they're going to happen. Right. They, I mean, they, you kind of know a general time frame, yeah. right? But it's like months. Right. So you have no idea when they're actually so, going to show so up. So we, we know the state is going to happen in the next couple of months. We know the joint commission is going to happen every three years, and that's sometime this summer. So uh, we do really well on those surveys. Mm -hmm. um, typically, most hospitals our size will have you know a few dozen uh, conditions that they'll find that need to be corrected. I think the last survey we had, we had like eight, which is, is really impressive for a hospital as big as we are. Yeah. So um, talking a little bit about Epic, there's been a whole lot of talk about that recently, right? We just mm -hmm. recently switched over to this new electronic health record, mm -hmm. and it's one of the premier ones. Yep. Why was this such an important step to, a, to again, progressing to make sure pa our patients are as safe as they possibly can be? Yeah, so the cornerstone of patient safety is for patients to be involved in their care. And no system does a better job of that than Epic. I would really encourage that anyone that's already a patient at Phelps Health or somebody's considering being a patient at Phelps Health, there's um, a program that you can put on your phone, on your home computer called MyChart. Mm -hmm. And I, I use it for myself and my kids frequently, but if, if you are the patient and you're looking at the notes that your physician writes on you, my, my patients comment all, on, on that all the time. I, I had a patient just tell me the other day, like, hey, why'd you, why'd you put this in my last note? <laughs> so that's great, she's yeah. paying attention. Right. You know, pay attention to those notes. Make sure that your medications are up to date. If you're having a problem, reach out to your, to your physician and their staff. A, a, a patient that has bought in and is informed and knows what's going on with their care is going to receive safer care, and Epic accomplishes that. And it also streamlines just the different types of people who may be trying to access that patient mm -hmm. chart and puts it all in one location. So um, say a different physician may need to access it, he or she can see your notes. Yeah. They can see what medications the patient's on. It's all one place, which makes it way more safer because you're not having to track down different things to make sure that 
what you're thinking is correct. Oh, absolutely. This patient that I was talking about that needs surgery today, her her ER visit and her imaging was actually from another hospital out of state. So to get information like that, that too improves the safety. So if you were just going to leave our listeners with just some parting thoughts on why you feel that Phelps Health does a great job with safety and keeping them safe, what would you tell them? It's the people. Our, our staff, they go above and beyond. They care about their patients. Uh, again, talking about the surveys that are coming up, we take that so seriously. We're, we're proud of providing safe care. Uh, the, the people are what really make the difference. Very good. Well, we've been speaking today with Dr. Nathan Ratchford, who is a senior vice president and chief medical officer of the hospital. Dr. Ratchford is accepting new patients in his OBGYN practice, and you can call 573-426-2229 to schedule an appointment. If you missed part of the show or would like to listen to it again, please visit phelpshealth.org. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Summer.